Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It has been a hot minute since I recorded an episode, but if you're just sort of listening in order and not listening to this live as they come, you won't really notice because there's just another episode in the podcast queue. Um, As always, I am your host Mandy and we are diving into the world of paranormal, conspiracy, unexplained, unsolved, mystery type topics that uh, that is in the podcast. So a little update, Pi is paranormal investigation exploration and it kind of involves everything. So not necessarily just paranormal, but a little bit of everything that may involve some investigation and exploration or, or explanation, <laughs> whatever you want to try and fit into there because that's what we do here at the podcast. So before we get started with the topic, as always, off the top of the show, we want to give a shout out to our wonderful podcast network, Podbelly. You can head over to podbelly.com and check out other great podcasts such as The Odd Pod, which is a new one on there. Check them out. I know those boys, they they do good work, (laughs) as well as Nerds on Topic. Always a fun, nerdy time. And for a limited time, while supplies last, if you head over to the shop and find the I Love Bacon sticker, you enter the code Kevin the Pig, you will get that sticker for free. So head over there, check that out. Check out the other great podcasts while you're over there. Uh, show some support for our fellow piggies on the pod- Podbelly Network. Are they fellow piggies? I don't know. Pig out on the podcast. <laughs> So today's topic is an unsolved murder one. And I've never actually done an unsolved murder one. I've done a couple true crime ones where there was sort of explanations on them. Um, I did the one in the BC feet, but it wasn't exactly murders per se. Um, And I've done one on the Hello Kitty murders, but it was sort of, you know, they arrested people for it. So I've done true crime. I've not necessarily done an unsolved murder before. So this is my first foray into that. And it is a local one because again, I'm trying to stick to local stuff, local to the area stuff for this year. So this one is going to be on the unsolved murder in Thunder Bay, Ontario of Scott Dove. And it's a pretty well-known one in my town. It's well-known that it's unsolved because we don't have too many unsolved murders. Um, We do have a lot of murders. We've been a few years in running the highest murder per capita rate in Canada because we're a smaller town and we have, you know, a lot of murders. (laughs) But the murders tend to be more people that know each other. So it'd be, you know, at a house party and someone gets drunk and stabs someone. Or it's, you know, unsavory type characters, maybe homeless ones who decide to fight each other and one happens to get killed. Those are the types of murders. We don't really have random murders and we don't really have unsolved murders. So there's only a handful of them and this is sort of the most famous one. So I figured I would do a topic on that. So a little bit of the background. On Wednesday, October 31st, 1984, at around 8 a.m., uh, 17-year-old Scott Duff left his home to go to school. He went to Lake Lakeview School, which was a high school at the time in town, which has since been turned over to several other schools. And he was last seen driving his 1966 four-door black Pontiac. On Thursday, November 1st, 1984, he still hadn't come home, and Scott's father became worried about him and decided to report him missing to the police. So, you know, you figure a kid goes to school on Halloween, 
doesn't show up by the first, that's something to be concerned about. He probably gave him the night to come home because, you know, a teenager, especially in the 80s, you don't have cell phones, you don't really have a way of tracking people. It's easy enough to, to lose track of them. Um, on Thursday, November 8th, acting on information that we received by a citizen, police located the vehicle that Scott had been driving on the property of the Lakehead Psychiatric Hospital, which is a big property grounds of where the psychiatric hospital in the north end of the city. And there's like a lot of parks and green space area as well as a giant parking lot. The vehicle was left unlocked and the keys were missing and investigators determined that the car was in fact on the property on Monday, November 5th. So it had been on the property for a few days before police had been notified that that's where it was. Um, at this time, they couldn't really locate Scott. They were sort of unsuccessful and it was a missing person case and they're trying to, you know, it was publicized by the media and it was really put out there, but they had no other information. So then on Saturday, December 1st, 1984, a couple lo had located the body of Scott Dove while walking their dog. He was found off the roadway about two kilometers northeast of Copenhagen Road in an area described as a rock quarry. Teenage party in this area and there did not appear to be any efforts to conceal the body. It was just sort of found there out in the open. Investigators believe that Scott was not murdered there. <laughs> not not murdered where his body was found and that he had been you know perhaps killed somewhere else and dumped there um and the reason for this is because there was a lack of evidence in the area a lack of you know blood and other evidence <laughs> that would have been found if he had been murdered there they determined that scott had died as a result of injuries sustained during a violent confrontation with one or more persons and it was apparent that he had actually defended himself pretty good before succumbing to these injuries. No arrests were ever made. Not much evidence has come to light. And it's been 35 plus years since Scott Dove passed away. So it's, it's pretty well known, like I said, in my town that this is a missing... Or not a, well, it was a missing, but it's an unsolved murder. Um, you see his picture a lot, and which is what's in the show art. And it's sort of... One of those well-known urban legend type stories that comes up you hear different stuff you know come up over the years that that it was gangs that it was some kind of you know possibly serial killer that it was maybe he had crossed paths with the wrong person and there, i don't think there was really any definitive reason um about it at the time so in doing more research on this um, I did come across some news articles, but unfortunately with the way <laughs> the world is kind of hard to get a copy of newspaper articles because the libraries are closed. Um, so from the little bit I gathered that, you know, they had talked to his friends a lot at the time and there seemed to be some mentioning of, of drugs and those possible things related. Um, but something else that kind of came up when I was investigating this <laughs> is some deep dark you know rabbit hole that turned into art fraud and gang members and led to you know crazy sexual predator people and it's it's funny when you investigate these type things I guess especially when it's an unsolved one that it could lead to some very 
strange areas. <laughs> um, I did not expect to fall down the rabbit hole I did in looking this up. And it kind of makes me think that's fun to do more investigative type stories. Um, investigative journalism, I guess you could call it. But So in doing my, my online investigation, I did come across, um, there was a documentary called There Are No Fakes. And it's about an art fraud ring surrounding a famed um, native artist, Norval Morriso. He's pretty well known in Canada, uh, especially in the area where I'm from, because he lived in northern Ontario. And it was a very, it was a very well known, very famous artist. Um, his art works in a lot of the galleries in Canada, and is just very, very well known, famous for for his art and his style. Um, in the documentary, it happened to mention Scott Dove, and it happened to mention this guy, Gary Lamont. So, the documentary discusses the art or the art fraud rings that are mainly led by a man named Gary Lamont. He had relatives of the artist paint art and leave it unsigned, and then he would sign it as Morriso and backdate it and sell them and fraud the art dealers for it. So he would say, you know, oh, I have this art that's from the 70s, you know, it's 30 years old, it's unknown, and he would sell it to art dealers and auction houses and, you know, get get, get good prices. And he was doing this for years. And I guess it was like, it's believable because a lot of these northern, like northern Ontario native artists, they would do their art and trade it. So they would trade it for car rides, they would trade it for alcohol, they would trade it, you know, for goods and other services. And they would just sort of do the paint, roll up the canvas, trade it. Um, so there's a lot of them out there. Um, a lot of them have been authenticated. And unfortunately, there is a lot of these ones that were proven, proven <laughs> to be fake ones. So this is what Gary Lamont was doing. I don't know how he got started in it. I don't think they ever really said how he got started in it. And he actually knew more so, but I guess he decided he wanted to like forge a bunch of his art. Um, and it got to the point where one of the relatives stopped painting them because he was just, I guess, getting upset about it. So Lamont had to go and find someone else to continue it on. And he did this, did this for years. Um, he never actually got arrested or charged with it because some other stuff had come up and that is that it was brought up that he would actually sexually assault young males and he happened to tell them that if they didn't obey him or didn't listen to him that they would end up like Scott Dove. So a little bit more background on Gary Lamont. He was a gang member, he was a drug dealer, and him and his Kamala partner would house a lot of um, Native students from the Northern Reserves while they were attending high school in the city. He had a property outside of town that was on a lake where there was like another garage building attached to it. Um, all the houses, like all the windows and doors on the house had bars on the windows, big locks on the doors, one of those big metal gates that swung out on the doors that would open. And, you know, you required a key even from the op to open for even from the inside to open the doors. Um, he would have parties with friends and with the, the boarders that were staying with them. And he would basically take turns drugging them. He would slip drugs into their drinks and laugh, you know, saying, oh, you know, haha, you've been dosed. And then he would proceed to 
basically sexually assault them. Um, there was one guy in the documentary who went into it about how it happened for years. And then eventually in 2016, Gary Lamont was sentenced to five years after pleading guilty to five counts of sexual assault against five male victims between the ages of 17 and 24, spanning between 1993 and 2007. But I guess where that ties into Scott Dove is because, like I said, he had mentioned to several of the people, if you, you know, if you don't do what I tell you, you're going to end up like Scott Dove. And that goes back to, we circle back to, to 1984. So initially, Gary Lamont was actually one of the first suspects in Scott Dove's murder. Um, his name came up from several of Scott's friends at the time. When they spoke to police, they had said that Scott owed money to Gary for drugs and he bought drugs from him frequently. Um, what he would do is he would buy the drugs and then he would go to school and sell them, but he didn't actually use the drugs himself. And he was known to go to Gary's house a lot to pick up the drugs for, you know, in town. So he was well known to him. Um, and I guess that they figure something probably led to somehow Gary being upset with Scott, whether it was because he was selling the drugs and not using them or, you know, maybe like Gary didn't know that he was selling the drugs at the school that the Scott was selling them. He figured that possibly that Scott was doing themselves. So he could have been pissed off about that because Scott was making more money off of it. There's not really too much of, you know, a motive involved or a reasoning behind it. But that's sort of the suggested one is that somehow it was related to the drugs and the buying and selling of, of the drugs. And that's how Gary got upset and that he murdered Scott. Um, they said, bleh, they said, they said in the documentary that Scott's genitals had actually been cut off and stuffed into his mouth. And that's where, and then he was hung from a tree and then that's how um, he had died and been found or that that's how he had been killed and then his body was dumped on Copenhagen Road afterwards. Um, having that knowledge makes it seem pretty vicious for a random act of violence that it wouldn't just be you know someone that came across him or you know a robbery gone wrong type of thing like it makes it seem a little bit more personal I think involved um so I guess there was never really enough evidence to prove it against Gary at the time and kind of just sat there and went cold and went unsolved. So that's the story of of Scott Dove and the unsolved murder. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of evidence in the case and there's not a lot of paths to go down to find out more evidence, really, um, especially with it being, you know, it's a, it's a pretty cool case and there's not really a lot of evidence. With where his body was found, they never really found where he would have been murdered. Um, it was in the 80s, so you didn't really have DNA, and if he'd been dumped out there in December, but he'd been murdered in November, that's over a month where his body would have just been laying in the elements and everything could have, you know, been washed away and there could have been snow at the time, so it's really hard to gather evidence that way. Um, but I guess the, the leading theory is that Gary Lamont did it for drugs, so... <laughs> that's what we're gonna go with <laughs> it's it's probably Gary Lamont he's in prison now um he was serving five years so that was in 2016 
so he'll be out next year as of recording this likely um he was never really charged with the art stuff so i'm not really sure where that's going if he's going to be charged with it afterwards and it was actually a pretty interesting documentary even though it was about art fraud and they happened to slip this little bit in so that's the fun thing about investigating this stuff online you never really know where it's going to lead to and where it's going to end up um and this is a little bit of a shorter episode i guess just because it's that's how it is right it's just a bit of an unsolved murder that doesn't really have a lot of evidence other than you know they figure that it was probably gary lamont so hopefully you enjoyed it um I know the way of the world when I'm recording this and when this is live right now, it's an interesting time with pandemic and quarantine and everything. And that tends to zap a lot of creativity. Um, it zapped mine a lot. So I've been struggling, struggling to get these podcasts done, but hopefully you enjoyed it and there will be more to come soon. Thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast apps. Just look for the podcast. And as well, the Podbelly Network. Check them out at podbelly.com on the internet for all your podcast needs and wants. And you can find my shop at shop.littlegeekloss.com with all my fun t-shirts as well as everything else, you know, for me at littlegeekloss.com on the internet. Check that out as well.